Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. I want to read out of Matthew chapter 2 this morning. Um, it's a familiar story, a uh, familiar text in the Bible um, about the wise men. Oh, Christmas. I love Christmas. How many of y'all love Christmas? Well, good. Good. You should, right? Um, I, I like Christmas because I have, um, of course, grew up with, with Christmas and all of the beautiful trees and the lights and all of those wonderful things. But, you know, I've come to appreciate uh, the, the text and the scripture a little later in life and even some of the things that aren't in the book. Um, because, you know, we, we hear about Jesus' birth and we hear it announced to the shepherds first. And, of course, we don't get a good explanation of why the shepherds first and why the angel came to the shepherds first. But if you start digging into it and you start to, to look and try to figure out, well, who were these shepherds that would have been near Bethlehem? And, and they're, they're, it's not in Scripture. There's nothing definitively that says it. But there was a certain sect of these shepherds that were Levitical shepherds that took care of the sheep, the one-year-old sheep, that they would eventually make their way to the temple. And so there, there is a real distinct opportunity, a real distinct chance that the ones whose God's birth was announced to first were the same ones that took care of the annual sacrifice at the temple. To add to that, we hear in the scriptures or read in the scriptures about Jesus being wrapped in swaddling cloths. Anyone want to guess what the shepherds did with the baby lambs when they were freshly born? They would take them to a place where they could put them in a pen. And this often occurred in a little alcove or a little cave. And, of course, with all the rocks there. And we know that the sheep have to be uh, without blemish when they get presented to the temple. So how do you protect a clumsy little baby sheep? You wrap them in cloth. And so much like we would wrap a baby to keep their arms close into them, the shepherds did the same thing with these baby lambs. And so that's not really explained. That's a cultural piece. You've got to dig past the scriptures to find that. But that's a very real thing they did. So what better way to present it to the Levitical priest who took care of the sacrificial lambs to show the Lamb of God? Wrapped just like they would wrap these baby sheeps that they took care of. Just let that sink in a minute. That is amazing. And again, it's nothing, nothing that's definitively written out in Scripture, but as you dig into it and you see the amazing detail and the amount of, of, of details that God just focused on to make all of this happen, it is absolutely amazing and mind-blowing. And we think about our lives and we think about how little we are and, and our view of God ends up being so little, but don't you know that he cares about the details? He cares about the details in your life. He, he is he's in those little blessings. And I'm reminded of just a few days ago, I was working on a car. It's one of the things that I've come to enjoy. I went through a period where I enjoyed it and really liked it as a teen. Then I disliked it for a while because I didn't have an indoor shop to work on it. And it was out in the cold. and It was no fun in the dirt and that kind of thing. And now that I have space to work on it, I enjoy it again. But, you know, the Lord was with me the last time I worked on the car. Because if you've ever worked on a car and had to, to put a bolt in a blind hole, meaning you can't see the hole that you're sticking it in, 
and I've got four of those to do, and three of them just go right in like first try, you're like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, You are with me. But I love Christmas. I love the stories about Jesus and about his birth, and I want to focus on one this morning found in Matthew chapter 2. So if you've got Matthew chapter 2 open, say, I got it. All right, so the rest of you can read along on the screen. Lord, bless your word this morning, Father. Make it penetrate our hearts, Father. Find that fertile soil there, Father, that these seeds will find root. Father, let it break up the hard ground of our heart and let it come forth in a, in a fruitful way, Lord, 10 and 100 times more. In Jesus' name, Matthew chapter 2. And I'm reading out of the NLT, so your version might be a little different. Verse 1, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all of the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where Christ was to be born. And so they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So this story of the wise men is a familiar story. Um, it's been one that, that the Christmas tradition has got a hold of, and, and the traditional three wise men on the camels coming across the desert, um, you know, to come and see baby Jesus in the manger as he's freshly born, um, isn't 100% accurate. Um, as we look into the text, and as you read on a little bit later, you find out that Herod the king eventually goes back and slaughters all of the children under two years of age. And so they, there, there's a two-year period here that, that the wise men and, and the priests and the scribes of the, of the day said that, the, well, the, the star actually didn't just appear. It's been in the sky for like two years. Um, and so we, we find out that Jesus could have been a toddler um, at the time the wise men arrived. It's also probably not true that there was just three of them. Chances are, if they brought the gold, frankincense, and myrrh that we recognize as valuables at the time and covering such a journey, and these being important, uh, a wise men and scribes from another region probably had a, a bit of an entourage that they traveled with. So, so, so it's, it's not an accurate um, rendition that we see on Christmas cards and we see in the Christmas specials and things like that, but it is a beautiful thing that they came. And whether there was three of them or 30 of them, it really doesn't matter. The important thing is that they came. 
And there are some things that I see in the text that I want to share with you this morning that, that, that we can learn from their coming. And that their coming has an impact on all of our lives. So this is lessons from the worship of wise men. The first thing we can see is that they came with a singular purpose. They came to do one thing. They had one motivation. They had one, th- one goal in mind. And they came and shared that in verse 2. It says, when, when the wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. How would our lives look different if we had one purpose? If we had one thing that we focused on, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and always kept that in front of us. How would our lives look different if we could keep that, that spirit and that presence of worship in front of us? What links would we go to to get into his presence? They, they came across, some, some think they came from Iran. It's clear that they knew the scriptures. And if you start looking back and you go, okay, well, how did that Israelite culture get into those? And you have to look back to maybe Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And how they were in captivity at one time and how that culture got spread across the age. And it could have been, in fact, that that generation of people from hundreds of years earlier shared all the prophecies, shared the word of God in different cultures, and that still had an impact hundreds of years later as they started looking at the prophecy. Well, prophecy is not any good until you see it come true. I mean, I can prophesy that hair is going to grow in my head. I don't know that I would believe that prophecy either. But these wise men saw enough in the Israelite culture and the prophecy. And they saw this amazing star that showed up just when it was supposed to. In the area where they were looking, and they were in awe and amazement. Enough that they would pick up and come across the desert, across these trade routes from the east. To come and search for this baby this wasn't a king that was ruling. It wasn't, it wasn't anything. They, they were looking for a child, which in and of itself is a bit amazing because what could they get from the child? You see, their one focus was to come and to see the child, to be in his presence and to worship him because they knew that the prophecy was true And they had faith in the prophecy and faith that Jesus would become the king of the Jews. And it's ironic that even the people of the time struggled with that. And here are these people from miles and miles away who were wise men that studied the scriptures, that that knew the same prophecy that the people in Jerusalem would have known. And here they come from afar off to come and find this child when the people there in Jerusalem weren't even looking for him. It is amazing to me that, that, that God would use a Gentile, right? Someone outside of Israel to come knock on Israel's door and go, hey, have y'all seen him? Y'all ought to be familiar with him. He ought to be right here. And I wonder sometimes that we don't do that in people's lives. That we don't go see a friend or a neighbor and go, hey, let me share Jesus with you. I know you used to go to church, you used to be real involved, and and I know you know him. But you know he's still around, right? 
And I just find it, just find it amazing that, that, that even through that, even through that, even, even though the, the scripture tells us that even the local scribes and, and, and the, the, the wise men in Jerusalem that were consulted, that, that confirmed the star and confirmed the two years, even after that, we don't see people searching for Jesus. But the wise men did. And so when we come into the Christmas season and we come into the holidays, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus in our holiday? Obviously, we're here today. But at 3 o'clock this afternoon, when you get home and you lay down for a nap, where's Jesus? Right? Are we still seeking him? That, that's, that's my point. Are we still seeking him? I, I am certain that the wise men went home and they talked about Jesus all the way home. And they talked about the prophecies that were still outstanding. And they talked about how there would be one that would come in the wilderness. And they're like, I wonder who that is. We'll have to come back. Right? There's going to be a sequel to this story. We'll have to come back. And I wonder where our hearts are at. I wonder where our hearts are at. Do we, do we put Jesus on the shelf? Or do we keep Jesus out in front of us? Are we constantly moving towards him? Or is it just a trip we make and we go back to our regular lives? So I like the wise men. I like that they came. I like that they showed up. I like that they were there. And I think it, it tells us that, that especially in this season, we ought to be searching for Jesus. We ought to be spending a little more time in Christmas, at Christmas time, digging in the scriptures, praying Seeking him. Because I believe he's, God has not stopped talking, but some of us, we've stopped listening. Y'all can say amen if you want. I don't even agree with that or not. You know, because the world says that, that Christmas is all about children and gift giving, and certainly that, that is a joyous part of Christmas. I don't want to take that. I don't want to diminish that. It is a joy, you know, especially with the young children to... To, to give gifts and to see the joy and, and the excitement and all of those kind of things. And I love the, the Christmas lights and the Christmas trees, and, and I like all that. But, you know, the, the lens that I have now see, sees all the, the lights on the tree a little bit differently, sees the star on the tree a little bit differently, sees the angel on the tree a little bit differently. And my, my mind just replays the story of Christ coming over and over and over again. And I can adore him. But for so many, it is all about the gifts and the tree and the lights, and there's no meaning beyond that. And your job and my job ought to be able to take this message of Jesus, what's really behind all those symbols, to the Grinches, right? So that we can, we can, <laughs> we can uh, allow people to, to uh, who, who said it this morning? Someone said something about jealousy, Ken, Ken said jealousy this morning. I love that. Someone else earlier this week sent me a question. And part of the answer was a que to the question was that God makes people jealous so that they'll see, right? So they'll see people that, that are closer to Jesus and go, you know, I can have that too. I want to be more like them. And we ought to be able to take that message of Jesus, as Karen said, to all the kids and go out and share that. 
And we ought to be able to, to be with our friends and our neighbors and our loved ones and our lost loved ones and our, and our neighbors we don't know. And we ought to be able to take that message to them. And if they'll receive it, be able to see their heart turn violently inside of their chest. And what a joy that would be. But as Christians, we need, to, we need to make sure that we are sharing the message of Jesus so that Christmas is more than just trees and lights and magic and elves, but it's about Jesus. Because the fact that Jesus came changes everything. Because if you believe that he came, and I'm a believer, then that means that you believe he came with a purpose. He didn't come just because, you know, it just randomly popped up. There was some random, like, agenda thing that is on his calendar. He's like, oh, that's the adventure we're going to do today. No, but he did it on purpose. There was purpose behind his coming. And I'm sorry. My throat's just dry this morning. But if there was purpose behind his coming, then we have to say, okay, what was that purpose? Why did Jesus come? And he came to redeem man from sin. To restore man into that right relationship with his father. To essentially take the fallen Adam, you and I, and restore them to where we could walk in the garden in the cool of the day with the father. That was why Jesus came. And if he came and that was his purpose then you've got to believe that Jesus came knowing that he would fulfill his purpose. Those people exist. They're out there. You and I are out there. There's many more out there. And that Jesus is still looking and searching for the hearts that he can draw to himself. That he can turn violently inside of their chest, fulfilling the purpose and the reason that he came. But that requires belief. It requires that you believe in your heart. And that, that is an easy thing to say. And there is a trap there that, that it's easy to believe in believing. It's easy to believe in saying, I know that's a good thing to do, so I believe it. But then as you walk out your life, that's really going to show whether you believe in Jesus or you believe in believing in Jesus. And that sounds a little confusing, but, but one of those just says it's a good idea I believe in, and another one says I believe in Jesus, and that means that my life is going to be different. That means he is going to be my strength, he is going to be my source, he is going to be my redeemer, he's going to be my victor, he's going to be the one that lifts me out of this miry clay, sets my feet upon the rock, and gives me joy and peace, and grace showers me. And it means that, that, that if you know Jesus and you believe in Jesus, it, it means that you can't go back to your old life. It means if, if you're going to pick up your cross every day, that means that that fleshly man has got to carry that weight. And if that fleshly man is carrying that weight, then your spirit man is free to live for Jesus. Because if you can go back and you can still, still live like hell and you want to profess Jesus, then you're believing and believing in it. 
But if you really believe in Jesus and believe that he's real and he came to this earth to redeem you and restore you to the Father, it changes your life. You cannot walk that back. And if you're going to believe that, then you've got to believe he's, he's true to his promises. And he promises to come and gift us from the Holy Spirit. He gifts us with talents, with abilities. He speaks to us. He lets that still, small voice come and minister to us. He will send people with messages to us. He will give us words to share with other people. Because he is alive and moving. And he's calling, apparently. I mean, if it's him, I want to answer, right? <laughs> Amen. Amen. But if he came, and he came to redeem, and he came with a purpose to draw men unto him, that means as he draws men unto him, that, they have a plan, that he has a plan and a purpose for their lives. And that means for you and I, there is a path set before us. That if we will just get into his word, and I think it's 2 Peter 3, I can't, I don't remember, but it says you have everything you need to live a righteous life by coming to know him. And if you've heard that, that I'm just a sinner saved by grace and we're all just sinners, that's absolutely not true. If you want to say I was a sinner saved by grace and now I am I, redeemed, I've been washed clean, and I, I walk every day trying to keep myself clean. That doesn't mean I still live in sin. It doesn't mean that, that, that I still, you know, doesn't mean all the struggles go away. Y'all, we live in a world that is all about tempting us. It's all about temptation. You can't have the TV on 15 minutes and not see some ad that is tempting you to do something that the Lord has probably called you out of. Now, what you also ought to hear as that commercial goes on is a little voice in the back of your head that says, just turn that mess off. Just ignore that. Don't even think about it. And if some of y'all, some of y'all get, get music and stuff in your head, you're going to see the commercial that's going to go, when I think about the Lord, right? And he's going to pull you out of that. He's not going to let those thoughts even get in, right? The Holy Spirit's going to take those thoughts captured, and they're going to, instead of seeing and receiving what's on that television and what the world is throwing out and the garbage that they want to just impose on people, that little voice is going to bring that joy that's inside of us. It's going to bring those scriptures that we've taken the word and we've consumed it and we've made it the bread of life that comes back out of us when we need it. So the Lord is good. Amen. So number two. Number two. The number two thing we can learn from the wise men. Worship requires action. One, we can see they came from a long way off. And they came seeking the Lord. That was their, their reason for coming. They come to seek the Lord and to worship Him. And in our day-to-day, -day, as we go around looking at the stars of the day, and we go about planning our lives, where is Jesus? 
Is he still in there? Is he first? You know, we all, we all look for, for God to move, and we all look for things in our life, right? Is now the right time to change jobs? Is now the right time to go on vacation? Can we do this? We want to make plans, right? We want to schedule this and schedule that. And in all of that, are we keeping Jesus out in front of us? Right? If we believe the word and believe there's a, a, a path that he has made for us and there is a destiny in our future, how diligent are we to make sure we stay on that path? See, the wise men came across this trade route, but they had a star to guide them. Every evening when they would look up at that night sky and they would see the star shining out there, they could go, I'm on the right path. Now today, I, I don't know, I, I'm not one to, to stare at the stars a whole lot. And certainly they stared at them a lot back then because at night there wasn't a whole lot else to look at. There was no television, there was no iPads, there was no, right? And they looked at the stars and they learned a lot from the stars how things moved and, and seasons and calendars and all those things they learned from watching the stars and taking careful notes. It's also something I'm not very good at. But we also look for signs in our life. We look for things to unfold. We make plans. And do we keep Jesus out in front of that? Are, are we looking for God to confirm our direction? And I think the Lord will over and over. My goodness, how he's done it. Over and over again, he has confirmed, you know, my direction in life. And if y'all have not heard my testimony, it started when I was, I don't know, eight. It's the first time I can go back and I can kind of pinpoint where, where God was in my life and he was moving and I didn't understand why. And it goes all the way back. My father in the Air Force, we were stationed in Germany and our class took a field trip. And we went to, um, I'm trying to think of the... German name. It's a little German Christmas market. Anyone know what that's called? Okay, good. Something for y'all to look up later. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, little German market. They pop up around Christmas time. They have all kinds of, you know, fruitcakes and crafts and, you know, all kinds of little gifts and things. Um, and it's basically a farmer's market is what it amounts to, really. But we took this trip and went to this town, and that was part of the reason that we were there, and we were going through. And I remember, and again, I think I was about eight years old, somewhere in that, in that area, um, going through this little market. And something caught my eye. And it was this little manger scene, this little wooden manger scene that, uh, I'll say it's handmade, I don't know for sure, but... Um, it's this little manger scene with all these little wooden, you know, almost featureless little characters on there. And I just knew that that was important to me. And I remember I paid six marks for it. I don't know why I remember that. It's just numbers. It's one of the things. But I remember paying six marks for it, and I went back, and I was so proud to show Mom and Dad, and we hung it on the tree, and they would let me put it on the tree every year. And I always put it with a little yellow light behind it. It had to be a yellow light. It couldn't be a pink one or a green one. It had to be a little yellow one. Right? Because that was a star. I knew the story a little bit. But I didn't know Jesus at that age. I mean, I didn't know Jesus till 10, 12 years later, to be honest. But I can look back through my life and I can see where he had marked my life and that there was a draw on my heart that I didn't understand. And that every year around Christmas, it would come back up and I would be like, oh, I need to remember the manger and I want to this and Jesus and and as I got a little older and got a little wiser, you know, we, we would see manger scenes and we would go see the 
Christmas productions maybe at some of the churches or whatever. <clears throat> but I still didn't really understand. I really still didn't have that belief in me until I was 20 years old. Can we change mics? All right, let's try this one. Hopefully it won't pop so much. That was less. That was less. Thank you, Lord. Worship requires action. So we see the action of the wise men. We see how God was leading them on this path. And we see, I can see in my own life, hopefully you can see things like that in your own life, where the Lord was drawing on your heart, where he was calling to you, where he was, he was bidding you to come and to know him even before you knew him. But the other thing about them coming is, especially in those days, that travel was difficult. And the thing that stands out to me is that not only did they have such a desire to go see Jesus, but they had to make time and take time to go see him. This was not a trip of convenience. It was not a trip that was going to be easy. They had to give up time with their families, with their jobs, whatever that was, with, with their normal routine. They had to break from all of that to go find Jesus, knowing that he was a child knowing that Jesus himself would really do nothing for them. Now, I don't know if they had an expectation that they were going to be met by the royal family, that Jesus was an heir of, and they still expected to find an Israelite king, and this was the next generation. I don't know. I don't know, and that's not clear in the text. I don't know what their expectation was, but they were coming to see a child. They were coming to see a child. And at two years old, I don't know that there's a whole lot you can expect to receive from a two-year-old. Now, they knew that this was an extraordinary two-year-old. But truthfully, I don't know that they had an expectation that they would do anything other than just to see this child and come and worship him. But they went out of their way over hundreds, potentially hundreds of miles to come and see them. And that, to me, speaks of sacrifice. It speaks of recognizing that Jesus is an important part of your life and laying down some of those conveniences to go and spend time with him. And I'm not going to stand up here and say that I'm perfect at it. Absolutely not. I have seasons where I spend a lot of time with him, and I have seasons where I don't talk to him. And that's probably true of everyone. But you know what? I have a desire to stay in closer contact with him. I have a desire to go and be with him and spend more time with him. And yes, there, there's endless number of distractions and things that keep you from that, keep me from that. But we really ought to be searching him out, and we ought to recognize that there is a sacrifice and time to be spent with him. There's a sacrifice of things that maybe you can't go to the beach, right? And you got to decide whether the beach is more important or Jesus is more important. And that's not to say that you don't have recreation time, that you can go and be at the beach. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that you should be locked in a room and, and with Jesus only. I'm not saying that at all. I believe he, he put us here, and if we're going to reach those lost people, we're going to have to go to the beach. We're going to have to go into the town. We're going to have to not be a hermit. We've got to get out into the world and bring that joy and peace and love into the world so that we can draw them to Jesus. But that might take some sacrifice on our side. And we might have to go out of our way 
to see that, to do that. All right, let's look at verse 9. It says, And when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. I just want to point this out, that they rejoiced with exceeding great joy before they saw Jesus, before they spoke to Jesus, before they were in his presence. And I think about coming to church on Sunday with an expectation that Jesus is going to be here and he is going to change lives and we're going to see the hearts turn violently inside of people's chest. We're going to see lives transformed. We're going to see people in the altar just like the Grinch was on the mountain, crying and leaking from their faces. And if you were to ask them, what are you crying about? They're going to be like, I don't know. And I can say that because I've been there. I've been there. And y'all, Ken, I love Ken because he's a crier. I'm a crier. It's okay, guys. It's okay to cry. We're going to come together for the men's breakfast, and we're going to cry. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. If you do, it'll be a great thing. It'll be a great thing. You'll be like, I'm feeling but I love Ken because him, him and I, we get in the presence of the Lord and we just weep. We just weep. There's just something just sweet about his presence. There's something just, I don't know. I, I can't even put words to it, but there's something about his presence that just makes me just crumble. And I'm reminded in this moment of, of I think it's Isaiah, when he, when he gets in the presence of the Lord and he says, you know, in your presence, I'm undone. And you, you suddenly, all of those things that you strive to do really well and the things that, that you, you strive and hope that he doesn't see and all those things, they're all just laid bare before him. And you realize just how lowly you really are and how great the gift is that he's come to bring us salvation. And that without that gift, without him going to the cross and paying a price once and for all, that we had no way in. And yet he comes and he picks us up and he wraps the robe of righteousness on us, covers all of our sins and all of our misgivings. And he gives us a big hug and he says, son. Because that's how much he cares. But coming into his presence, exceeding great joy. Now, I know some of y'all, some of y'all have been doing a church a long time, and some of y'all just tolerate church. Some days you come in here and it's like, I just, I know I'm supposed to go, and if I don't go, they're going to be calling like, what's wrong? And I don't want to deal with a phone call, Right? When we really ought to be looking forward to coming in and going, you know, there's something about when the saints come together and they sing and there's that unity. And I'm reminded of a certain time when they were all in one room, in one mind, in one accord. Um, let's see, how do we think about that might have happened? Oh, they might have been singing the same song, right? Where they're all singing the same thing and something amazing happens. When the saints gather and we can be in that one mind and one accord and be in unity, there is something about his presence that comes in like a cloud in the room. And if you don't feel it, check your pulse. There's something amazing that happens when we come together. And suddenly things that felt heavy coming in don't feel so heavy. And suddenly where there was no joy in, in life, we're singing about joy and the hope that we have in Jesus. 
So it, it's amazing to me that their expectation and their attitude before they came into his presence was already one of exceeding great joy. I mean, that's using some adjectives right there. I mean, imagine coming in the door. How many of y'all got said, how are you today on the way in? How many of y'all heard that on the way in? Hopefully all of you, right? Not because it's, you know, a thing, but right, people want to know. It's like, oh, I haven't seen you in a few days. How you been, right? How many of y'all went and go, I'm exceedingly great and I'm full of joy? <laughs> You'd scare some people away if you were like that. But that's, that's what he ought to be in our lives. When we come into his presence, when, when we can walk hand in hand with him, when we can take him into, into the most stressful situations and we can, we can stop at the door before we go into whatever that is, right? And we can go, Lord, be with me right now. Bring me peace. Bring me comfort. Bring me joy. And we can feel his presence in there and that, that whatever the news is, we know that he's going to walk out with us and he's going to be there through every step of it. That doesn't mean we won't walk through trials, but if we know that he's with us and he's laid that path before us and we're walking on that path he's laid before us, then we know we're going to be all right. And that weight of all those things that happen in our lives, the weight of all the challenges and all the difficulties just don't seem so heavy anymore. You know, there was a time, um, and, and if you've been here for a while, I'm sure you've heard this. There was a time where, where I would be getting dressed in the morning. And, um, and for those of you who don't know, I'm kind of a sock guy, you know. Um, I got the stripes on today. Um, that's like where fashion ends on me, sorry. Um, but I used to go in and I'd go, Lord, you know, people like these socks. And, and people like, hey, cool socks, you know, whatever. And I used to pray, God, which ones should I wear today? Right? Which one is going to get me that in with somebody that I can, that I can start to have that conversation, right? And I used to stand in my closet or over the drawer or whatever and go, okay, Lord, which socks should I pick out today? Lord, just let them, just let my eye catch the color. Just let it pop out. Just put it on top somehow, Lord, that I can just find it. Maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do this. This one, right? Lord, this one. And you know, and I, and I did that. It was a real thing. I know, it's silly. It, <laughs> bless her heart. But you know, I used to do that. I used to do that. And the Lord finally, and, and he, he wouldn't answer. Sometimes, you know, I would go, what about this one? And he'd go, sure. Right? But I never picked up one and he went, nah, not today. Right? He was always like, sure, that's a good one. And he finally quickened my spirit to say, whatever one you choose, I'm going to bless. He says, it doesn't matter what socks. I'm going to let you make the choice, right? And I'm going to come behind you and bless that. And so I maybe got some freedom that day from having to pick out socks and didn't take as long. But, you know, in our lives, in other decisions, the Lord lets us make choices, Right? If our TV breaks down and we're like, oh, should we get, you know, the 42 inch? That's what we had, but the 45's on sale, right? The Lord's probably going to go, you watch too much TV, you know? <laughs> the little one will do fine, right? But he's going to let us make some of those choices, right? Do, do I go to the, the ball game with this friend or do I go to the movie with this friend? They both need Jesus. You pick one, I'll bless it. Do I take this job or do I take that job? You pick one, I'll bless it. 
Lord, what should I take to potluck? This one or that one? That one. Okay. <laughs> Are you cooking? Yeah, don't bring anything. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. But the Lord is good, and he will bless. If we make an effort and we present our efforts to him, I think, I think he can work through just about anything that we do. If we really dedicate our effort and our choices to him, I believe he can work through just about anything. And he will use it to bless you. He'll use it to bless the people around you. And he'll use it to grow his kingdom. All right, let me see. Yeah, well. All right, let's go to verse 11. We're looking at their actions. Verse 11. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they worshipped him, they, had, they opened their treasures and presented gifts to him of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There's two things here I want to point out. The first one is, is this. They fell down and worshipped him. And I was real curious about that, that statement that says they fell down. And so I dug into that and looked at the original language and that kind of stuff, and it literally means they fell down. It, it doesn't mean that they, they were careful when they approached him or whatever. They just immediately recognized his glory, and they fell down. Now, in those times, that was a sign of respect. It was a sign of, a sign of honor. But, but I, I, want, I want to pull this out because it doesn't say they bowed down. It says they fell down, which, which tells me that there was an overwhelming urge to honor Jesus. And I feel like it's one of those moments where, where, where they, they had maybe anticipated bowing down, but they did it in such haste and such, such astonishment in his presence that they even surprised themselves. They surprised the writer here about how quickly they landed on their face. And, and despite the fact that these were magi from the east, these were noble, uh, uh, um, honorable men that held some high position. In the presence of Jesus, none of that mattered. In the presence of Jesus, they weren't worried about anyone around them. They weren't worried about what people might think. They weren't worried about what people might say. All they knew is that in his presence, they had to honor the king. And I look at that and I think about how we come to church and how we, we praise him and how we, we honor him in, in, in today. And how many of us are held back from our praise and held back from really bowing down and loving on the Lord and shouting a praise to his name because we're worried about other people around us. We're worried about shouting hallelujah, right, when it's appropriate in the song even, right? It's even a thing in the song and it says shout hallelujah and we're like shout hallelujah, right? We'll sing along to it. And, but we're not, we're not yelling it out. We're not being bold about it. But do we give him the right honor in those things? Is, does he really occupy that, that honor in our lives? Do we really show him the honor in those things? Or are we more focused around the people around us? More focused around what, what other people might say and what we think they might think about us? How, how, much, how much of that are we reserved because we're worried about what people might think around us? And I used to be that way, and I would like to say I'm completely free of that. I'm not. It still gets in there. But there's sometimes I just, 
I don't care. I don't care. And it's not, not you know, I want you all to have a good opinion of me. That's great. But there's moments when, when I don't care what you think. I'm going to be a snotty mess up here, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay shouting to the Lord sometimes. And one of the great things about being up front is you can shout into the speaker, and ain't no one going to hear you. <laughs> right? Y'all sit in the back, and you got to worry about like three rows up. People turn around. You just come right up front, get right in front of the speaker. You can shout all you want to. The only people are going to look at you, the people up here on stage and be like, okay. <laughs> but we need to get our eyes on him. We need to understand that when we come and worship Jesus, when we come and honor him in our lives, that it really should be about an audience of one. Because if we're more important than other people and other opinions in the room, then Jesus has dropped from number one to number two, three, four. Right? And that is not where he belongs. We need to keep him lifted up and lifted high, and he needs to be the number one in our lives. And so I find it amazing that these, these wise men came, and they fell on their faces, and they just worshipped a two-year-old child. Not because of anything he had done. Not because of anything he had said. He'd only been in their lives a few moments. All they had done was heard about him. They had heard the prophecy. They knew that this was going to be the king of Israel. The stars had said it. The prophecy had said it. And they had seen enough where they had faith to believe that this was the coming king. And they fell down and they worshipped him. They didn't have to wait to be blessed. They didn't have to wait for a king's decree to come and do something for them. They just got in his presence and knew that he was something special. And so where, where is Jesus in our heart? How do we show him that he's special in our hearts? Do we still honor him in the midst of our troubles and our trials and our difficulties? Does he still occupy that space of awe and amazement that we see with the wise men? And how should he? How should he? How should we display that? And I think that's different. I think some of y'all, he gives you gifts of talent and singing. Some of y'all have got musical talents that you've probably put in the closet and you're just not using. Some of y'all probably played in high school bands and, and things like that and haven't touched the instrument in years, probably still in your closet. And I wonder, are you missing an opportunity? Are you missing some of the, the gifts and talents that he has given you? And reminded of the story of the talent where, where he gave the talent to these three individuals and then he goes away and he says, take good care of this. Because when I come back, I want to see what you've done with it. And so what are those things maybe that, that he has blessed us with, that he has promised and gifted us with? And then, of course, the last thing with the wise men is that they gave their best. And they had gold, frankincense, and myrrh. All of these precious and valuable. All of these reserved for special occasions. Gold, obviously, is a symbol of royalty. Gold was something you would expect kings to have. It was a gift befitting a king. Amen.
But you know, it's also interesting that gold is also a symbol of purity. And if we look at the temple and you get inside the, the temple, everything is laden in gold. And as you get into the, the holy of holies, the innermost parts where you get closest to God is where the gold shines the brightest. And so you had frankincense and frankincense was a incense that at least in the Israel culture was almost reserved exclusively for worship. And apparently the frankincense is a sap from a tree. And it was so rare, they reserved it for one purpose. And so the frankincense being rare, being valuable, is also a symbol of deity. It's a symbol of worship. It's a symbol of that incense that's only found in one place, and that's in the temple. And then you've got myrrh. And myrrh is an interesting thing because it is a perfumed oil. And the interesting thing about myrrh is that it had two uses. And there's one that most people are familiar with. And myrrh was used when they're preparing someone who had died for burial. And so it kind of foreshadows Jesus' death. But the other one that people are less familiar with is that same oil that was, had myrrh in it is also used to anoint priests when they're called into service. And so there's a, a beautiful image in this that the wise men brought to Jesus to honor the God sin that he was, to honor the king and the royalty that he represented, to honor the priest call on his life, and perhaps even foreshadow his sacrifice and death. What a beautiful thing it is. That these wise men, not Israelites, had come from a foreign culture, would come and seek Jesus. And whether they knew all this or whether this is just hindsight, they truly honored the King of King and the Lord of Lords, the high priest, the once and forever sacrifice for the redemption of our souls. So stand with me. We're going to close. And then we're going to eat. So the fact that Jesus came as a child, the fact that he descended from heaven to earth. The fact that he came to redeem us from a life of sin and separation from God ought to change our lives. And I think the wise men teach us that there is a sacrifice in praise. There's a sacrifice in seeking Jesus. It takes our time. It takes our attention. We have to do it intentionally they didn't just happen upon him but they they had certain signs that they were 
following. And I believe God is into those same signs, maybe not the same. He still gives us signs. And whether that's in prayer, whether that's doors of opportunity that open, whether that's people that come and speak into our lives, I believe God uses people to guide our path. He uses scripture to do it. He uses prayer to do it. And he uses people to do it. And if God will bring people into your life to help direct your path, he will use you as someone to guide someone else's path. So as we get into Christmas this year, I just want to challenge you all to really give your best. To really seek Jesus, to to know his heart, and when you get in his presence, to really honor him to love on him, to recognize how he's moving and how that path that's laid before you and receive that invitation to walk along with him. So the last thing I want to close in, last comment I'll make this season is I want to challenge something that, that probably all of you would agree with. We would probably all agree that Jesus is the reason for the season, right? And I'm going to say that's wrong. Because I believe if Jesus was standing here and we asked Jesus what the reason for the season is, he'd say all them. That's why I came. I didn't come to be glorified. I came because I love all these people. And while if saints of God, redeemed children of God can say Jesus is the reason for the season. All those people out there, all those people that don't know Jesus, he's still standing here going, they're the reason. They're the reason I came. They're the reason I went. They're the reason that there's this Bible and this history and all of this richness in the text. There's a reason that that we pour out love and grace onto people. It's because we want to call them all back in. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Well, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.